0: It's that time. We're going to hear the latest news from the persecuted church and learn how we can be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are paying a high price because of their faith in Jesus. And that's with Todd Nettleton, of course, from Voice of the Martyrs. Good morning, Todd.
1: Good morning. Yeah, appreciate you being along with us and understand that you guys are cold. There as well, right?
2: Yeah, I just looked. It's 16 outside, so I I might stay inside today.
1: Yeah, (laughs) a good thing, I think. That's for sure. So let's turn our attention to Pakistan first. What's going on there, Todd?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we have talked over the years about Pakistan, about the blasphemy laws there. Uh, Many of our listeners will remember Asya Bibi, who was sentenced Mm -hmm. to death in Pakistan under these blasphemy laws. There's been lots of protests, lots of talk about, hey, we need to make these laws more fair. We need to protect religious minorities. Uh, The Pakistani parliament has recently uh, addressed the blasphemy laws, uh, and instead of making them better for religious minorities, they actually made them worse. They added more categories of blasphemy. Now, uh, if you are insulting the Prophet Muhammad's wives or his companions or his close relatives, 10 years in prison, a fine of about $4,500, that prison sentence could be moved to life in prison. So like I say, instead of kind of addressing some of the weaknesses, and what often happens under these laws is if you have a conflict with someone, if you maybe want to take over their property, you accuse them of blasphemy. You go to the police and say, hey, I heard this guy say something bad about Muhammad. Well, the police arrest that person and they're in prison for years. If you want to take their job, if you want to take their property, they're going to be in prison for years. And maybe, like in the case of Asya Bibi, eventually the Supreme Court said, nope, she didn't commit blasphemy. She's innocent. But that was 10 or 12 years after she was arrested. Um, So that's how these laws are often used. And to see them now add categories and add more blasphemy possibilities, uh, it it boggles the mind that they would Take this route,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. So they don't have to have any witnesses, Todd, or any proof,
2: almost none. Uh, and and eventually, like I say, eventually, what usually happens is eventually the court says, you know what, there's not enough evidence. This guy didn't commit blasphemy, but but that's six or seven or eight years later after they've been in prison oh, all that time. Wow. And so and now under this law, they have now taken bail out of the equation for many of the blasphemy charges. So n- not only You know, are you in jail? You can't be bailed out while the trial is going on. Uh, And so, like I say, even if eventually the court's going to say, nope, there was no evidence, there was no blasphemy here. uh, That's not a fix because you've been in prison for those years. And Asya Bibi is actually still getting death threats. She was released in 2018, fled Pakistan, is now living somewhere else in the world still getting death threats from people who are convinced you are guilty of blasphemy and I need to, I need to defend Islam. I need to make sure you get punished. And Hmm. so uh, it, like I say, it's so frustrating because there had been talk, there had even been Pakistani government ministers who said, yes, we've got to do something about these blasphemy laws. We've, we've got to fix this, but to see them now make it worse, it just, I, I don't understand it at all.
1: Wow. And just think of human nature, you know, we're sinful beings and if we want to get ahead, all we got to do is say that person just blasphemed Muhammad or, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever and bam, they're gone and I get their job.
2: They're yeah. gone. And, and the charges can be so flimsy. There, there was a case a couple of years ago of, of a nurse in, in Pakistan who tore the calendar. She tore, you know, from January to February. She tore off January. Well, they had Quranic verses written on the calendar. Mm. And, and so she was accused, you, you tore the Quran. Well, no, I just tore off January because, you know, it's February now. But that led to a blasphemy charge. Wow. Um, and so that's wow. that's the level of offense that, that can sometimes be used against a Christian in Pakistan.
0: Man. So, Todd, what are you hearing out of Pakistan from the church? It doesn't seem like that's top of mind as a country anymore. I hear very little news out of Pakistan.
2: It, it is, you know, we heard some news this week. There was a bombing at a mosque, uh, which uh, apparently an offshoot of ISIS has now claimed credit, if you want to use that word, for this bombing. Uh, the thing I always remember when I think of Pakistan is a Pakistani Christian that I had on Voice of the Martyrs radio, and he compared the pressure and the persecution of Christians in Pakistan to the air that we breathe. He said, you know, we don't wake up tomorrow morning and wonder, is there going to be air tomorrow? You know, I don't know. Let's, let's think about that. And he said, for Christians in Pakistan, it's like, is there going to be persecution tomorrow? Am I going to be disliked? Am I going to be persecuted? Am I going to be pressured tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Of course I am. I live in Pakistan. Uh, and, and so that's the comparison mm-hmm. that he made. And I've always thought of that, of just the, the oppressive nature mm-hmm. of being a Christian in that almost totally Islamic society, and yeah. having the worst jobs, having the worst educational opportunities, having the worst places to live, all of that is just a daily reality. They they wake up every morning and know, this is the place that I'm in because I'm a Christian in this country.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. That's Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs, and we're talking about uh, definitely something that can be prayed about for sure. Pray for the our brothers and sisters yeah, in Pakistan. Yes. That's for sure. Amen. But but also uh, there's some exciting things going on in Tan, uh, Tanzania with Bible distribution. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, we had a conversation in our chapel service last week at VOM, and I thought I I wanted to share it because it shows how Bible distribution works for Voice of the Martyrs. You know, every year we distribute more than a million Bibles into the hardest places to follow Jesus Christ, and one of those hard places is along the coast of Tanzania. It is predominantly Muslim, in some cases, almost 100% Muslim. And so we're not just going in and sort of dropping a container of Bibles and saying, hey, you guys, you know, here's some Bibles, have a good day. We actually have a staff member that is going village to village in these predominantly Islamic areas and, and finding out, oh, is there a church in this village or no church at all? Are there Christian families in this village? How many Christian families? Do they have children? How many children's Bibles could they use? And literally going village to village, compiling this information so that we can take Bibles— to the appropriate person. If, if there's a church there, we can distribute those through that local church. If there's not a church, but there's a Christian family, maybe they're sort of a beachhead to distribute Bibles through, getting children's Bibles to strengthen the next generation. And uh, one of the things that was shared is there are now other mission organizations who we're sharing this information with so that they can say, hey, here's five villages here that don't have any church at all. If we're going to send out a gospel worker, let's not send them to the place that already has a church. Let's send them to these five villages that don't have a church. So mm-hmm. that information is not only helping get God's word into the hands of his people, it is also helping other mission groups say, hey, we need to target that village there. There's no churches for 50 miles there. We need to get somebody in there. Um, so that is sort of the body of Christ working together. But I also think it it shows the the professionalism of, of how our people in the field go mm-hmm. about saying, okay, we we have these Bibles, but we're not just going to drop them off. We're going to find people who will use them, people yes. who will share them, and really try to support the church that's already there.
0: Mm-hmm. So before we get to how people can maybe help with that project, what does persecution look like in Tanzania?
2: In these predominantly Islamic areas, uh, there can be very intense persecution. One of the stories he told, there, there was a church on one of the islands off the coast of Tanzania, and the islands are almost 100% Muslim, uh, but there was a church there. They had gotten some property. They were going to build a church building, and on, they had a permit from the government to build this church building on the day that they were going to start construction a bunch of trucks pulled up full of bricks and Muslim workers, and they laid a foundation for a madrasa, a, an Islamic school, on the property that this church had bought and had a permit to build a church on. Hmm. And they just came in and started building a madrasa. And it's like, you're, you're not going to build a church here, and, and we're certainly not going to move our madrasa so that you can build a church. And when they go to the local officials the, the officials are like oh well sorry they've already started building a madrasa we we we're sorry that happened wow you can't build uh-huh. a church there that's the you know and again we talked about pakistan how frustrating it can be how, uh-huh. how would that be if you yeah. like you have a building permit you have the property and then somebody just comes in and starts building a madrasa on the property and you're like hey they can't do that and the government will say well sorry they already did uh, that's That's what it looks like in in some of these places in Tanzania to follow Christ.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking, you know, if they have the property and they have ownership of it, okay, we own that building. (laughs)
2: Right. I've got a piece of paper, and they're like, well, we've laid a foundation. Yeah. (laughs) You know?
1: (laughs) Wow. It's incredible, isn't it? Um, Definitely to be praying for that, that's for sure, too. But also, I wanted to really touch base, because you guys kind of have a revamped app, right? Right. Now we
2: do. In fact, it is live in the App Store as of the last 24 hours. It is, it is brand new, hot off the presses. This is a, is many people will have had our app that we called Pray Today, which had a, a daily prayer request from persecuted Christians. This new app is just called VOM app, or if you go in the App Store and search for VOM, you'll find it. Uh, and it will help you pray. It does have a daily prayer request. It also has links to I Commit to Pray, which is a website where every week we post new prayer requests. It also has a lot of VOM resources, books, uh, videos, access to Voice of the Martyrs Radio every single week, access to our daily feature, which is a 60-second radio spot every day, uh, and all of it is free. So you can access those, you can watch the videos. Uh, actually, I was, I was interested because my book, When Faith is Forbidden, the audiobook is actually available in the app, and, and again, it's mm-hmm. free. You can listen to all of it, um, and so I'm super excited about the app because it has been a blessing to a lot of people and it is completely redone it looks better it works better and there is so much content so much mm. material in there um, so I want to encourage people like say it's it is just now gone live in the App Store uh, go download the VOM app
1: did you hey. narrate your book by the way for the, vo- the book actually yeah, oh, very great cool. that's very yeah great.
2: it was uh, you know it was a long process. You know, talking sure. for three straight days is, is hard, even, yes. even for someone who talks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, yep. But the thing that thrills me is that my grandchildren's grandchildren will get to hear me tell those stories. Yep. Oh, and, and that yes. absolutely, the, the whole time we were recording, that moves me because it's like, I'll never know my grandchildren's grandchildren but they'll get to hear me tell those stories if they want to. And that really blesses me.
1: Amen. Amen. That's very cool.
0: Well, you mentioned on the app, the VOM radio that is there. People can access it right there. So what's on this week?
2: Pastor Hannah Massad was the pastor of Gaza Baptist Church in, in the heart of Gaza. His wife was actually the leader of the Bible Society in Gaza. Uh, they were close friends with Rami Ayat, who was martyred in Gaza 15 years ago. We actually had Rami's widow on VOM Radio last fall. Uh, and so he talks about living in Gaza, working in Gaza, working in the church. He talks about uh, losing a member of his church to martyrdom. Like how, as a pastor, how do you— how do you respond to that? What do you do when that happens? Mm -hmm. And so it's a really powerful conversation. We started out last weekend. You can hear that in the podcast stream. We'll have the second half this coming weekend. And like I say, I think people will be blessed. And we also, as as always, we will equip you to pray for God's work in Gaza and God's work in the Middle East.
1: Mm That's good. Well, that is Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs. And of course, persecution.com is their website. Uh, You can get all the details about what's going on there. And of course, you can download the new VOM app right now as well. Todd, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure.
2: Thanks for having me.